We interrupt your regularly scheduled moment of silence to bring you the news. London, Tokyo, Clavius, Beetlejuice, Melmac, Romulus, Endor, Orc. News from around the cosmos, podcasted secretly from 20,000 leagues below Skynet headquarters. This is The Nautilus at Nine with Marcus Nemo. Well, good morning. Welcome to The Nautilus at Nine. I'm Marcus Nemo, bringing you tomorrow's news cycle recycled today. Whether you're listening to this atop an abandoned gas station in the middle of a zombie wasteland, or perhaps you're hiding from your robotic overlords in some underground resistance bunker, now's a good time to fix yourself a stiff drink, listen to the news from a multitude of different dimensions that are hopefully worse off than the one you're occupying right now. I'm currently enjoying one of my favorite on-air cocktails. I call it a gin and phonic, which is two slices of lemon dropped into a pint glass that's filled to the rim with gin and then placed in front of my microphone. That's good stuff. Well, our top story tonight takes us all the way out to the outskirts of the cave city of Zion, and we go there now. We want the blue pill to be free. We want to live as batteries. We want the blue pill to be free. We want to live as batteries. We choose the blue pill to be free. We want to live as batteries. That's just one of the many slogans being used by this rapidly growing group of protesters just outside the cave city of Zion. It seems that ever since the Chosen One has defeated the Machine Society and their complex program known as the Matrix, thousands upon thousands of people have been waking up to the desert world of the real and are not happy about it. This ever-increasing frustrated population have taken serious issue with the fact that everything they've taken for granted, such as families, careers, electricity, Wi-Fi, cat videos, well, it's all just ceased to exist. Even trees, blue sky, sunshine, and actual cats, well, it was all just an illusion. The cave city of Zion has tried desperately to institute emergency immigration for this ever-expansive population of dissatisfied refugees, but to very little success. When questioned on why Zion was not considered an option, the response was unanimous. Have you been in there, man? It's just a bunch of dirty cave ravers. It's cultish. It feels creepy. It smells like feet. Hey, I don't care if it was a program, you know. I want my old life back. This is bullshit. I played clarinet. I had a rent-controlled apartment and hair. I had beautiful hair. I don't want to eat that... That gloop every day or live in that dank subterranean den surrounded by sweaty bohemians. It's gross. And I want my goddamn hair back. We want to live in the Matrix still. It's our choice. We want the blue pill. We want to live in the Matrix still. It's our choice. We want the blue pill. The demand for the blue pill by this large angry mob is overwhelming, but because of the relentless electrical storms and the gray dust bowl of the burnt-out buildings that is the desert world of the real, the chances of a pharmacy opening anytime soon are quite slim. <laughs> well, in other news, vigilante anti-hero known as Deadpool was finally arrested today for the numerous unpaid fines he had recently received for damages to at least 23 fourth walls he'd intentionally broken in his most recent adventure. Not since 1986 has an overconfident, smart-mouthed American been so reckless with fourth-wall destruction, and some of our older listeners may remember the teenage anarchist Ferris Bueller, whose blatant disregard for authority sent him on a fourth-wall demolition spree one day while skipping school. No information yet on repairs to the most recent fourth-wall destruction will begin. 
Well, it's no surprise to anyone the Force has definitely awakened and doesn't look like it's going back to sleep anytime soon, which has a lot of Force-sensitive people wondering what woke it up in the first place. So far, shushing it hasn't worked, and so questions are mounting. Is it hungry or gassy? Does it just need to be held? Some have suggested swaddling it in a soft blanket and singing it a lullaby, but you know, it's this reporter's opinion that maybe the rest of us who aren't Force-sensitive or didn't choose that lifestyle, we, we don't really care about your troubles. If the Force has awakened and kept you up all night, don't bore the rest of us with your problems. That's a path you chose. Don't start complaining about it now or act entitled as though your situation is more important than the rest of us. Just shut the Force up and get out of our space. Oh, and there's the sound of the Vox Graphonic Vortex, our portable radio porthole to the other side of the elsewhere. Let's tune that in and have a bit of a listen. Our next story was first performed at Milliway's The Restaurant at the End of the Universe. It's a story that comes from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's called Let the Wookiee Win, Confessions of a Co-Pilot. It was a day of celebration, not the traditional holiday type like spending life day with your family, which, to be honest, conjured up more bad memories than good. Nor was it the bragging rights at the bar type celebration, like completing the castle run in record time. No. The day I refer to is, is the day I was finally rid of that arrogant racist known as Captain Han Solo. My indentured labor and servitude to that old windbag had finally come to an end. No longer was I contractually obligated to that crotchety jerk-off who was either treating me like garbage or pushing me in garbage. A man who continually used me as live bait, whether I was on some barren snow planet freezing my wickets off or smack dab in the middle of some hot desert world run by a hedonistic worm toad. But worse than all of that, I was bound to a bucket-mouthed buffoon who for years didn't even believe in the force. What an asshat. I repeatedly told him I used to work for the Jedi's little green boss, but he'd just grimace at me and tell him to pass him a Hydra spanner. It was then I realized the ignorant prick didn't even speak my language. He just pretended to understand me to impress his friends. Eventually I gave up with words altogether, and I just started growling at him. The thieving bigot didn't even know the difference. Hydra Spanner. Huh. It's called a wrench, you dumb bastard. The debt bondage I was bound to put me in all kinds of danger with Captain Solo. He was always ripping off gangsters or dodging bounty hunters. He even got himself engaged to a princess who turned out to be the daughter of a galactic dictator. So you know that whole family were no strangers to the slave trade. No sympathy for my plight was coming any time soon. Eventually, though, the tables would turn on old man Solo. His marriage into royalty meant he eventually became the father of a little tyrant of his own. A spoiled little wiener kid raised on nothing but space gang wars and Aryan aristocracy, and who grew up to literally stab the gruff old timer right through the heart. I was there. I saw it happen. And for the first time, I actually felt bad for the old pirate. I could have dropped that little wiener kid right then and there with my bowcaster, but I just winged him instead. I'd been around this galaxy long enough to know that when you're openly called a walking carpet by the upper classes or passed over every time the medals of valor are handed out, it doesn't matter how rotten that little psychopath acts. 
An empire or a republic will never, ever let the Wookiee win. But at least, I thought, I finally had the fastest ship in the galaxy all to myself. A reward for the years of oppression I had endured. I could finally sit in the captain's chair in charge of my own destiny. Captain Chewbacca. I liked the sound of that. But oh no. It seems the captain's chair was already taken. Because sitting there with a self-entitled look on her face was a force-privileged 20-year-old girl. They might as well just call the ship the Millennial Falcon now. From a galaxy of tyranny, from a Wookiee who would be free, call me Chewie, Chewbacca, if you're nasty. And we're back, and it looks like we're out of time. So this is Marcus Nemo from the Nautilus at Nine saying, remember to set your neuralizer for roughly the nine-minute mark and erase your memory of everything you just heard. And as always, for dark is the suede that mows like a harvest. (laughs) Good night. The Nautilus at Nine was created, written, and performed by David Radford. The voices of the Zion protesters were performed by Jared Gowan, Christina Patterson, Graham Croft, and Justin Carter. The Nautilus at Nine is produced by Launchpad Theatre Company. To find out more about all things Launchpad, go to launchpadtheatre.com or like us on Facebook at Launchpad Theatre. Or why not become a Skynet pirate and follow the Nautilus at Nine on Twitter at Nautilus at Nine, and we'll make sure to send you a friendly, ahoy matey!